You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, pridedetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Uh, coming in a little banged up and worse, where I think we got some interesting stories here before we get started from how our weekends have been going. But we have plenty of storylines from Lions preseason game two to get to as we come to you live right now on Sunday, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and on all podcast platforms for Monday morning, iTunes. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes and Apple Podcasts are the same thing. I know. I just I'm used to calling them that because some people still like going to iTunes, even though it's the worst program on earth. Uh Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, we're a Spreaker, I believe. You can find us everywhere. It's where you get podcasts. They're 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 everywhere. They're everywhere now. You can't get rid of them. I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host of the Pride of Detroit POD cast, the producer of the Pride of Detroit POD cast may or may not be the multimedia editor. I have been negotiating with Jeremy <laughs> on a new contract in that regard. So because everyone else seems to get editor titles and I want one. So, and speaking of that, here's Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the editor in chief. Did I get that right? Is, or is it mail it? Okay. No. Editor I E I C E I C of Pride of Detroit. That's right. Yeah, I'm here, uh, back, ready to talk some more preseason football. We only got one preseason game. Le- we only have one game left. Basically, what are we? Three weeks away? Two weeks away? Two weeks, weeks away. away. So we we so uh yeah actually no wait yeah it would be three, three weeks weekends, away from today. three weekends away from three weeks from now we are going to be sitting here in this exact same spot talking about Lions Just regular three season more football game. Still football. talking about a one and O team. That's crazy to think about. You're really you're really going for the for the juju right out of the way, aren't you? Hell yes. You don't Let's you go. don't fear you don't fear I'm God like, at all. Listen, I'm feeling good. That I feel like having watched them in Indy, having watched them in the preseason game, I feel like this team made some strides this week, and I'm I'm kind of excited about it. I'm I'm shocked you did not come back with a story from St. Elmo's Steakhouse or whatever everyone does in Indy. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Matthews. Black is the mother. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. I'm coming in a little bit banged up because my alarm didn't go off at the right time. Ryan apparently had to stop a science experiment from a four-year-old. You know, we all have our uh, we all have our things going on in life, but I'm here. That's the important thing, and I'm here yeah. and I'm ready to talk football. I'm I'm ready to talk football too, because even though it's preseason, even though no starters were in. Even though it came down to a failed two-point conversion because nobody wants to do overtime in in the preseason, a dub's a dub for the Detroit Lions. And that looked good. That looked real good on hard knocks. Yeah, no question, right? Like it here, I mean, we can we can jump into kind of the, the last thing on our docket here. Like, does it matter that the Lions won this game? I think the answer is no, but. And my my but is that what I mean. Feels good. Like I, I, I want to see this team win, and I think it would have been at least a little demoralizing in the locker room to see this team blow a blow the game, blow a lead in the final two minutes of a game in back to back weeks. And and listen again, the the guy who would have been the 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 goat, the under under uh, lowercase goat, lowercase lowercase goat, would have been the same guy each week. So and and it's a guy that's probably not going to make the team. So in that sense, it wouldn't have mattered. But it it feels good to see the Lions close out a football game, even if it didn't matter. Oh, wins a win. I don't know. It's one of those things where like you can't be upset about it. But you know what the good thing is is that I guess we get to see a different perspective in in hard knocks this week. Yeah, it's not coming off another loss. It's not going to be a heartbreaking, 
you know, expose of, of David Blau. I was going to say, Blau let's get some happy David Blau. We're gonna, let's, let's get some happy David Blau in here. Because I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, I the, the backup quarterback competition is heating up. You know, I've been team Boyle, but now I think I'm flipping a little bit. Uh, part of that's because apparently Blau's got legs. Blau's got wheels. <laughs> he knows how to scamp. He, he was scampering for first down quite a bit, and I enjoyed every time Blau would tuck and run. It so. was it was it was an interesting matchup if if we want to get into the backup quarterback stuff because it, yeah. I do think like I I'm kind of the other way like I've been in Blau's camp for a long time I think he's maybe the more the more valuable asset to Jared Goff which might be kind of an under you know undersold part to this quarterback race like who's the more valuable guy to have there sitting next to to uh, Jared Goff in in the locker room but in this game. Blau had the bad interception and mm-hmm. I'm not going to absolve him of blame of that. And I mentioned it a little bit in our post game show. Oh, golly it felt, fudge. It felt like things were about to slide out of control for him after that, because he missed on a, a throw. You think he took a sack that, that took him out of field goal range or almost out of field goal range. But then that last drive in the first half really bumped up his stock where he hadn't led a touchdown drive before that um, converted on a couple of third downs in, on that drive. And, and it really, really looked good. But Boyle, listen, I, I think Boyle had as close to as perfect of a game as you can expect out of someone like him. Like, listen, neither quarterback was throwing the ball downfield that much. So, like, in terms of diff- degree of difficulty, it wasn't bad for either. It wasn't hard for either. But Boyle managed to play a relatively mistake-free game. You know, he misses the the, the touchdown pass at the end of the game, but they get in the touchdown and they get in the end zone anyway. So no one really cares or, or whatever about that. So I thought Boyle looked as steady and you know my my complaint with him is he's always been very erratic and unpredictable this game i thought he was more under control and that's that's the progression you need to see out of him because he has those physical tools yeah uh but again as we talked about in the post game show jeremy like that that erratic passing mechanics that we all have come to know about Tim Boyle showed up. They crept up a little bit here and there. I mean, he had the overthrow to Maurice Alexander in the end zone. Um, but I I'm, I'm, I'm with David Blau still. Like, I think I'm still with David Blau. I know I, we, we talk about how, you know, both of these quarterbacks like rarely, you know, stretch the ball downfield, but uh, David Blau did have a pass of um, more than 20 yards, which I thought Cleo Pimpleton had a, a chance at catching probably should have hauled in. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing I like about that pass though, is that it was only where he could really get it. And I, I, I'd like to see that kind of accuracy from David Blau. I like to see that selectiveness from David Blau, but, um, I, you know, I, I guess I came away with, with them being close, but me just still giving the edge to David Blau because of a lot of the characteristics and qualities that we've talked about in the past in terms of him being a, you know, a clipboard holder, a guy that will be valuable leading up to, to game game day and things like that in terms of another brain to pick. Um, I don't know, but, but I, I, I can't, I can't deny that Tim Boyle did. He, he, he flashed a little bit. Some of those, you know, promising traits that we keep on getting promised. Well, let me, let me ask you guys this because obviously Tim Boyle played the second team offense last week and Blau starts second team this week. Do you think that's going to flip flop again for game three? Probably. I mean, that's, it's just basically the way all of camp has been going is just your turn, then his turn, then your turn, then his turn. And so, I mean, here's the thing. We don't know if the starters are going to play it all in game three. So no, if, people if are I, still trying to figure out if this is the cut down game or if this is the dress rehearsal game, nobody seems right. to really have a set template for three preseason format. Right. And I, I imagine Dan Campbell will give us some sort of clue on Monday um, as to, as his plans there. But if I had to guess, I, I feel like we've, we've, we've probably seen Jared Goff, the last of Jared Goff in the preseason. So I think they'll give each guy a half next week. And I, I honestly think it might come down to next week between these two, because I, I do think they're close. Um, and, and, and if I can be completely honest, and I know Lions fans probably aren't going to want to hear this, but like, I think they've been good enough for me to be like, okay, these are backup quarterbacks and I don't feel horrible about it. Yeah. I'm fine with either one. Right. Like I think it's yeah, important. Yeah. Like, the, the Lions have a backup quarterback here. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's upsides and downsides to both of them. And uh, I think I'm comfortable with their upsides and their downsides to both of them. Like they're two very distinct backups. And obviously at the day, we are talking about backup quarterbacks. 
that, that was if, that was if, much longer on backup quarterbacks than I thought we were going to. Yeah, get. I thought <laughs> I thought we just breeze through this. I I thought the big story was again that um, O line depth flashed pretty well in this game. I thought that you know we've we've known we know who the starters are. We know who absolutely. I think it's it's been fascinating because I we we know who the starters are. There's been no drama whatsoever when it comes to that. But um, we saw a lot of the Jeremy the second string O line in there. Um, and I thought they, they, they held their own pretty well. I know the pocket collapsed around Blau in a few places, but I thought it was all very well, this, this game. I mean, yeah, the, all the starters get the, the rest. So you're, we're only getting the reserves in this game. And I, I thought, I thought it was kind of the story of two positions after rewatching the game because interior, I thought did an amazing job. I thought Evan Brown was fantastic in this game. Logan Stenberg is a guy who, made a very serious case for himself. I think in this game, Tommy Kramer continues to be solid and versatile. I still don't like the tackles on this team. I still, I am still scared crapless if Panay Sewell or Taylor Decker goes down because I, I'm not liking Matt Nelson. This was a little bit better of a game for him. Uh, Obina Eze is just, is just not that dude right now. And Kendall Lamb was a guy I came into this game thinking I might unseat Matt Nelson and put him in instead in in my 53 and then Kendall Lamb lays a pretty big egg in this game especially when he was at left left tackle um split some time between left and right tackle but was really really bad so I didn't think pass protection was all that great on the edges but I mean big picture stuff run game amazing like there were some really really solid block run blocking in this game also some great runs by the running back they, they get 5.3 a carry 174 rushing yards in this game that's got to give you a lot of confidence going into the season in your coaching staff, in some of the running backs that, that are among the reserves here. And, and yeah, if, if, so, if the line suffers some injuries on the interior, suddenly feel a lot better about Logan Stenberg slipping in or, or, or Tommy Kramer slipping in, or we, we already already felt pretty good about Evan Brown, but he continues to play really well. So um, yeah, I feel, I feel better about the second team offensive line because they, that was a unit I was very concerned with going into this game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess we'll get into the nitty gritty when we talk about offense specifically, but I, I largely agree with, you know, the interior of the offensive line looked more solid than uh, than the you know outside did. Um, but I, the only thing I want to kind of roll into one here is I thought, you know, the tight ends did a particularly pretty good job yeah. um, in terms of their ability to, to run block. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into what they brought in the passing game a little bit, too, but um I, I think largely a guy who played a lot of snaps, Shane Zilstra, was was really good mm-hmm. um, in 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 both phases. I thought as a receiver, as as a run blocker too, um, he had the fourth highest run blocking grade of uh, any Lions player. So I, you know, it, it was one of those things where like you saw it on TV and then the grades backed it up, and that's usually kind of how you, you you want those things to do. So um, I, yeah, I for, for from where we were a week ago, guys. To, to where we are now with the second team offensive line, huge step. Yep. Yeah. And maybe that's just, again, I, I'll be curious to see what it is in game three, because it could just be the Colts. I think the big storyline from the entire week was uh, Jeremy, that Lions seemed to have a good grip on the Colts through most of the joint practices as well, including rumbling the rustling, the jimmies of uh, Zaire Johnson, Frank Zaire Lee. Zaire Franklin, excuse me, excuse me. I knew, I knew it was going to be a generic name. Uh, Zaire Franklin and the dust up with Jamal Williams, which remains very, very funny. But yeah, uh, I, mean, oh. I, I still keep like joint practices. The offense looked pretty good both days. I hear I didn't see them the second day, but I would say the still the offensive line performance on Saturday was was a pretty big surprise. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, if I pitch this to you, kind of reversing our order here, um, what would you say the big storyline from the defense was in this game? I thought they stopped the Colts run game fairly well but what would you identify as like the, your biggest takeaway from the defense yeah i mean i get i guess if if that's kind of <clears throat> how we're framing things in terms of the offensive line not looking so great last week and looking good this week it was the lions defensive front that you know totally flipped a switch from from last week to this week because could not stop the falcons on the ground at all whatsoever um maybe i think maybe i guess the the broader strokes you can make you, you might be able to paint is that the lions just might struggle with mobile quarterbacks. Um, you didn't really get that, you know, in Nick Foles or Sam Ellinger um, or, uh, or Jack Cohn um, particularly, but 
you know, 18 carries for 30 yards. I mean, anytime you can hold a team under two yards of carry, that's something to celebrate, especially, you know, they, they tried to run the ball and they just couldn't because yeah. the Lions defensive front was just really stout, like all across the board. Um, and, and I don't want to just only give credit to the defensive line, but like linebackers, man, Derek Barnes had a big bounce back game. Um, you know, Malcolm Rodrigo, you know, he keeps on doing the thing. So it's uh, it, that that's the encouraging thing. I think from, from last week to this week is the run defense night and day the, the the discouraging part though is still that secondary right like if night you and day at, on the secondary yeah yeah and, <laughs> and i mean it's not like the line secondary was great last week but it was untested last week and this week the colts quarterbacks combined to go 21 for 28 for 270 yards three touchdowns all and three let's remind you that is again that's sam ellinger jack cone and nick Foles. all so. all of whom 100 or, or above passer rating in this game so not great, Bob. To, to, to be fair, like most of the guys that played, I, we, we got a little bit of, of the starters in Jeff Okuda and, and Will Harris, maybe maybe not a starter at this point. Um, but for the most part, we're, we're talking about reserves. We're talking about young reserves. And so all the 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 buzzword, which is which was kind of the buzzword at the beginning of last year with our young secondary, which is failed communications. A lot of breakdowns in communications, a lot of um missed assignments and things like that and so those sort of things are exactly what you'd expect out of young guys like kirby joseph is a guy who i know a lot of people picked on for for the 50 yard play and maybe it's his fault we'll we'll probably get a little bit into that later but um the secondary is becoming a little bit of an issue just because this is the depth that's available right now there's some injuries in the secondary that aren't available so these are the guys that you're going to be relying on if there's an injury and there still seems to be a lot of concern with the depth there well, let's take, oh yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Last point to punctuate that. I think that's so important is you go back to a year ago and the Lions were facing those depth problems, right? Like yep. Okuda gets hurt. If, mm-hmm. You know, if he gets hurt, you're going to have to call on some of these guys to step up. And, you know, some of these guys were veterans. Mike Hughes was playing pretty late into the game. Um, you know, some of these guys, you were kind of penciling in saying, okay, they'll be on the roster and, and they might have to show up on Sunday. So you know, it, I think preseason game three is going to be a big test for for uh, guys on the bubble. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to dive into the offensive skill positions, learn what we can. Again, no starter starting. So this is kind of we're deep in the weeds on this POD cast. But I think there's one name that people are really falling in love with. And uh, I think it's 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 fascinating because I think that uh, suddenly everyone wants to keep every wide receiver and every tight end they can, and every running back, that won't be the case. Some of your darlings might get cut. We'll talk about at least one of them, if there's even room for him on the roster. And we'll tell you who that is next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, continuing to break down preseason game two. Uh, I think we just got through all the biggest storylines. Now this is where we split along offense, defense lines. And I feel like I need to start with the offense. And we're going to spend a lot of time here talking skill position players because suddenly everyone wants to keep everyone. Everyone (laughs) wants to keep everyone's in love with the gritty guys who are showing up against second and third team defenses and not taking anything away from them. But this is the type of this is the time of year, Jeremy, where I root for these guys to make the roster. And yet at the same time, I have to temper everything knowing yeah. that they're they're playing against lesser competition, too. It's always the hard part of preseason is how do you differentiate them? And it's a job I usually leave up to the coaching staff, who is much smarter than I will ever be for any reason whatsoever. But everyone is now was ready to throw him out, even though he had a couple of nice plays. Now, everyone is insisting that Tom Kennedy cannot go away. Is there any room for Tom Kennedy on the roster? Is there any room for him on the practice squad? Can we keep make sure he doesn't get poached if he goes to the practice squad? Tom Kennedy played his heart out this game, and he continues to play his heart out. And yeah, yeah, no, Tom <sighs> Kennedy is the story. Yeah, I listen, he's a guy that I've fought against, not, not actively, just a, a guy that I, I couldn't figure out a way to figure out a way to, I couldn't figure out a way to put him on the roster, right? Because he, up until this year, I viewed him as a very limited player. He's a guy who's a pure slot corner. He's kind of small. He's fast. He's fidgety. He's Khalif Raymond without the, the, the crazy speed and the punt return abilities. And the Lions already have a lot of that. But he's proven a lot to me in the past two weeks, really three weeks. His, his ascension is not a culminate, like, I think in past years it's been like, oh, this is a meme. He's he's doing well against third stringers. Doesn't matter. He's he's a he's a preseason all star. He's stepped up in such a big way ever since Trinity Benson and uh, and Quintus Cephas went down with injuries for a while. In that he's playing on the outside more than he is on the inside now in practice and in the game. He's doing things that I didn't think the two touchdown catches he had were not like pure slot slants and things. They were like jump ball, go and get him, go beat a guy deep into the outside. They were things that outside receivers do. So he is adding to his game and getting better. And as uh, Dan Campbell said after the game, they're like, okay, well, he's doing everything we ask him on offense. He's obviously not going to jump the top four receivers. So we got to find a way to make him a contributor on game days. So let's throw him out there at gunner. Let's throw him out there at jammer and see how he does. Got a handful of special team snaps and didn't do horribly at it. So he's in. I'm I'm making room for him, Chris. Like I'm I'm sorry. Like I'm not I'm still kind of tossed up between whether it's going to be Quintus Cephas or Trinity Benson, because Quintus Cephas can't stay healthy. He's he's a much more unique skill set guy, and I think probably a better res- overall receiver than than Trinity Benson I, is. But he can't like Ryan, throw your your slogan in here, like availability. Yeah, I went to see if this doesn't have it right now. I've had this sinking feeling, uh, Ryan, that this entire this entire offseason, Cephas, Cephas's star has been dimming rapidly as more and more young guys start to fight for his spot. Yeah, I, I think the offseason was pretty telling, though, in the way that the Lions approached it by, you know, going out and getting a guy like DJ Shark who, yeah, he's going to be a perimeter threat, but at the same time, they want to move. You, you, you want a guy who can move in and play the big slot role? Well, DJ Shark can do that too, especially now that, you know, eventually the Lions will get J-Mo and things like that. But I, I guess my overall point is it seemed like the offseason moves that the Lions made at wide receiver made Quintez Cephas a little bit expendable in a way. And he certainly hasn't done anything to prove that, he belongs on this roster because of what Jeremy just said in terms of his availability being his, his greatest detriment to him Um, just not being out on the field and not getting the reps and and not having the chance to show out against second and third stringers like Tom Kennedy has done now for a second week in a row. Um, Because Jeremy, like you said, there's four guys that are locked in, right? I'm on Ross St. Brown, DJ shark, 
Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond. Like those are your four guys. J-Mo's going to be on Pup. Where do you go from here? And it's this weird amalgamation of, well, Quintus Cephas is like, he's shown it a little bit, but he's not really healthy enough. And Trinity Benson, maybe, I don't know. And then now all of a sudden a new guy shows up. Like there's, there is Tom Kennedy, but I think that, you know, for as much Tom Kennedy, we need to talk. There was, I think, even a bigger storyline at wide receiver this week. Yes, because I was going to say the the one knock at at Tom Kennedy is he you can't he's not right now doing special teams. He's not returning kicks. Well, he's not returning punts. He's not returning, is, but it, he's getting in there on special teams now. He's, he's he is. gunner. He's he's yeah. And we know the, we can play. Trend. We know we can play quarterback too. Just, just <laughs> That's saying. very important. Emergency mm-hmm. quarterback, it might be Tom Kennedy. But <laughs> but I, I think seriously to that point though, Chris, like yeah. We were we were concerned about like how do you find a spot for a guy on the fifty three man roster whose only thing he's and he's doing it well. It's no knock on him, but like if you're only bringing your receiving skills to the table, how can I put you on the roster? Right at like, wide receiver five or lower. Yes, right. So like, but like Jeremy, you you pulled the quote from Dan Campbell in the post game presser. Like we put him in at special teams. Like we, we need to see this guy. Like we want to give him every opportunity to make this team. Yep. So yeah, but special teams are important, which segues to our next guy, right? Chris, I was going to say, because him. yeah, I, I, this is a guy that was not on my radar at all, but Maurice Alexander very quickly made a name for himself in this, in this game guys returning, uh, returning kicks. Yeah. So I, I think it might be a little too late for him, but too uh, too little too late. But uh, Jeremy, where where do we feel on Maurice Alexander? This is a tough one because he is a guy that as soon as he landed in Allen Park and and he was a late addition, so um, he's had to really play catch up and make an impression quick. He's looked like a very natural returner to me, and so the Lions got an entire game's worth of returns from him, both on kick returns and punt returns. I don't think he did great as a punt returner, but he did really good as a kick returner, and so now. I know he's a wide receiver, but I think like the roster spot you're debating here is Godwin Iguabuque's. And I know we haven't talked about the running backs yet, but we will. But like Godwin Iguabuque is your kick returner, has been your kick returner, has not done basically any special teams this preseason. And I think that's just because they want to try everyone else out there. And it almost seems unfair to to Godwin and be like, okay, but can't I like, can't I rebut? Can I remind you guys how good I was as a kick returner? Because he was like fourth in kick return average last year. He was... He never had any flashy ones, though. And so that, that to me is at the crux of the Maurice-Alexander debate. Do you want someone who is potentially really good as a kick returner? He showed it in the in the USFL. He's and, he, and like he's he's hitting the ground running because he's been playing in the spring and all that sort of stuff. He's warmed up already, man. He played a bunch of he's played a but bunch of games just a few months ago. The converse of that is how is he going to look in December? That's a lot of freaking football. And so that's something that I think you really do have to kind of keep in mind. Um, but but the, the bigger debate for me is, do you want someone who can potentially be a really, really good returner over someone who can be a good to above av- an average to good special teamer in all four space- phases? Not only kick off, but kick return, kick coverage, punt coverage, punt. Like he, he tr- not Trinity Benson, um, Godwin Igubiege does all that stuff. And so, and, and he looked pretty darn good as a running back too. And and had some good runs last year too. I know the fumbles are, are still fresh in everybody's mind, but I think Godwin's a little bit more of the well-rounded guy who can do more on game days and kick. Like if you have a good kick returner and everyone knows it, everyone can just kick it through the end zone. So I, I just like to me, kickoffs aren't big enough for me to give Maurice Alexander a roster spot, but he's making it hard. Yeah, it, it, I think where it gets interesting, right, is the Lions have somebody in a punt returner in Cleef Raymond, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that I think he's their guy when it comes to punt returns. But, um, you know, can you I think you articulated it well, Jeremy, like, can you, uh, you know, can you rationalize using an entire roster spot on just a kick returner? And the answer is probably no. But at the same time, <clears throat> like preseason game one, right? Trinity Benson is the guy who's back there to start kick, you know, kick returns. That, that was clearly, that, that wasn't an indication. I think a lot of us maybe jumped the gun and thought, Oh, that's an indication of the lions really like this guy to be, you know, the kicker turner when really, I mean, he didn't do much to impress there, 
Now Marisa Alexander gets this opportunity in preseason game two. He does impress with, you know, a 61 yard return. And then another, you know, big return that, that he, he gets to set up the lines in good field position. Now, It'll be interesting to see what they do in game three. Do they want to see like, oh, was that just a flash in the pan with Maurice? Or do they do they give Godwin a chance in game three? To remind you know? everybody, yeah. Right. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting, that cross-section, because I think I see the returners as Cleef Raymond, Godwin, Nick and Maurice Alexander. How do those three guys end up, I think, in one roster spot? Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be fascinating because I feel like Godwin – at least on his primary role, which is what we're about to talk about right here as running back has had his stock dropping significantly. And it's led to a lot of questions of who RB three and four are. And I think, I, I think Craig Reynolds at this point is still locked to make the roster, but talk about another late comer into the, uh, into lions camp here, Justin Jackson, formerly of the, of the chargers. And one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. Uh, I think he played very well in this preseason game. And I like I like what he brings to the table, and I'll be curious to see uh, if there's any chance he can maybe make the roster here. I I again, what Godwin Igubuke brings to the table in special teams keeps him valuable, but the more he gets pressured by guys like Tom Kennedy and and uh, Maurice Alexander, I think that'll be interesting to see who who if if that stays true, especially with the competition now at RB three and four. Yeah. It's it's another kind of mess there, and and it's it, Dan Campbell would say it's a good mess. Like the fact that these decisions are getting harder is a sign that your roster is getting deeper and better. And I think that's true. Like just just considering where this team was in terms of their running backs, their wide receivers, we haven't even gotten to tight ends, but tight ends is now getting a little bit complicated too. Um, I, I still I still like Godwin a little bit better, but yeah, like the the, the question that you always have to come back to is okay, this guy, this guy might be a better run. Like Justin Jackson might be a better running back than Godwin Iguabuke. But does that matter? Does that matter? Because they're, none of those are going to, those guys aren't going to be cutting into carries of your RB1 and your RB2. Unless something now, really bad happens, yeah. Right, but the, and but it, it, it's also worth saying, like those are positions that notoriously have a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Can DeAndre Swift stays healthy? All those things are important to keep in mind, but which one, like Justin Jackson is a guy who was jobless a month ago, like, could you stash that on your practice squad? Probably, right? Unless he like pops off for a hundred yards in the in the final preseason game, I'm not sure people are going to be scouring the waiver. Yeah, he's still for him. he's still young too. He's 26, but I also think like Jamar Jefferson did not have a good game either. So I think Justin like, Jefferson, Jamar Jefferson Jamar. has work to do. Like he a lot of work. He's he's kind of in this weird situation where like last year I thought he looked pretty good as a running back did not look good on special teams. Now those two have flipped in my opinion. He looks like the worst running back on the roster on offense, but he actually was kind of responsible for sparking both of those kick returns. So and and that was the thing he focused on. So he's making it tough in that sense, but I I I still think Godwin has him beat handily in terms of, if you're just talking special teams value, so I don't know how Jamar necessarily makes a team that through in that way. I, I mentioned this. I think Jamar, like he gets the ball in his hands and it looks like he has a lot of juice. It's just, it, he seems indecisive. He seems like he's maybe trying to do a little too much. Yep. It seems like he probably needs to rely on Deuce Staley to give him some good coaching and be like, dude, you just need to like hit here and here because he's basically the antithesis of Craig Reynolds. And the reason why we all seem so locked in on Craig Reynolds is like, the guy just finds the hole, hits it. He's good for like six, seven, eight yards maybe, but he's going to get tackled. He's going to get dragged down because he doesn't have that like escape speed that some of these other guys I think do have. Like Justin Jackson has like yeah. the, he has the escapability. Like he has, you know, the, I, I think he's got the vision. And that's why I think like maybe, maybe it's kind of wrong to presume that like Craig Reynolds is just RB3. Like I, I like him as RB3. I, I just think that they're totally up for whoever they can get to be that guy. I think it's still up in the air. Like, I don't, th- I don't think it's settled. Like I, yes, I think Craig Reynolds is the leader in the, in the clubhouse, but Justin Jackson got here late. And I would say that he was the best runner on, on Saturday. So. And Justin Jackson's had plenty of flashes in the past with his time with the Chargers. And he's got the resume, right? Like that's yes. the important thing. Like he has a body of work that you can point to and say, this guy belongs in the NFL. Yes, absolutely. It's just that he's had that time off because he was, uh, I think 
got cut, I think, what was it, week um like I'm trying to remember the last time he played. It was it was like late last year. He helped yeah, me he's... win my fantasy league, so I love Justin. <laughs> ah. I, I, I love following him on Twitter for various reasons. I don't think I can really say here. But um I this is this is just it's I we could talk for another 30 minutes on running backs. It is probably the most intriguing position right now for the Lions, just on how much is tied up in there, how many utility men they have here, the kind of positions that are opened up because of because of various roster consternations. But uh, we'll have to put a ultimately pin in, ultimately don't matter or running backs don't matter. Right. God, so. God. <laughs> you are so annoying. Sometimes you are just so <laughs> annoying. Sometimes let's let's go to a position that I'm sure you don't think matters either. Uh, tight end. So uh, once again, I don't know where to go really go with this. Uh, James Mitchell we got his first taste out there and uh, I wasn't too impressed, but at the same time, we know the extenuating circumstances of James Mitchell, but I feel that it does kind of open up the door a little bit to, to Shane Zilstra, who again, for those who don't remember, like this was a guy that, that Dan Campbell mentioned by name a few weeks ago. Yep. And I think still remains in contention for one of those tight end spot spots. It's just, I, I don't know. James Mitchell out there. I don't think anything's going to change. They're going, they have invested in James Mitchell. I think he's still probably in TE three behind Brock, Wright, But it does open the door between him, Zane, Zil- Shane Zilstra. I cannot say that fast and maybe keeps the embers glowing for all the Devin Funches fans in the room. Yeah, that, <laughs> that stock seems to have sold completely for, I think people have just forgotten about Devin Funches because he got injured this week. Um, but he'll 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 be back for that third preseason game. I, I get it. I get the strong feeling he'll be back and and kind of re-enter the conversation. But to me, I it's it's tough, right? Because Shane Zilstra gives you more now, whereas James Mitchell could give you more later, and that becomes a, a tricky debate. Do you maybe you just keep both to to have both Carry of those four at, tight at your ends? Disposal. Yeah, um, it's not. It's not unheard of, and I think the fact that Jason Cabinda could very well start the the pre uh, the the regular season on the pup list that might be the roster spot that allows you to do something like that, right? So then, once Cabinda comes back, you can say, okay, well, I think we're I think I think James Mitchell is ready now, so let's let's let Zilstra go or let's let Funches go. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I think that's where I'm leaning towards is because. Zilstra, I mean, Zilstra has shown a lot of improvement, man. He was he was one of the big, you know, Ryan mentioned it at the top, one of those tight ends that has been that he's only he's been repping very high in practice. I thought he he was the key block in a lot of those big runs yesterday. And so I have a hard time taking him off the roster because I feel like he could be a contributor in week one, whereas I'm not sure James Mitchell is there yet. But I don't think we're we're ready to give up on James Mitchell and throw him to the waiver wire. I think that that'd be a little reckless so i'm i'm leaning more towards four tight ends right now i i don't think devin funches is in the conversation yet one good game one good preseason game ain't, ain't gonna cut it three three catches for 15 yards or whatever it was um but, but a but, touchdown but a touchdown yeah that's great <laughs> i mean i i just i i love you michigan fans i'm just not there yet with funches and, and i think i think the thing that i i want to just uh you know capitalize is I think James Mitchell very well could be tight end four to like start the season. Yes. And, and they go Shane Zilstra tight end three um, Brock Wright and TJ Hawkinson. Like yeah. I, like I, I totally see that being a path to week five, right. When maybe Cabinda's healthy and ready to go. And then, like you said, they make that switch, but like, I think it's pretty clear. Like you need, I, I think the lions need to have Shane Zilstra on this team. He was yeah. good. I think so. Uh, I think that's really about it for the offense. I know we talked a lot of offensive line and in, uh, in... <laughs> the the only tricky thing for me is with the offensive line is I I really want to sp- find a spot for Logan Stenberg and I just don't know where it's coming from. Like he had such a good game and as as I said on Twitter, I think some of it is just playing next to Evan Brown and I think Evan Brown is going to be a starter in the league next year somewhere. But low, I mean we all know like Logan Stenberg's whole like personality and like the, the smaller type, like we know Dan Campbell is going to love him as a person. And the fact that he's fi- like, he's finally healthy and his game appears to be turning around a little bit. It's hard not to want to reward that, but I just, right now I don't have a roster. So I don't know where his roster spots coming from. Yeah. 
it's getting tight, especially as we start cramming more of the uh, running backs and tight ends in here to to try to uh, assuage our our uh, fears of the ros- of of the bottom parts of the roster. Again, this is all depth, but depth is important. This is what we talk this time of year. It, it's interesting because like we're talking now about all these guys that we want to make the team on offense. Conversations going to be a little bit different on the defensive side. Of the oh ball. yeah, no, no, no. I think I think there's a lot of fans who want a lot of these guys packing, but I think that's par for the course for Lions defense this year across the board. But let's talk about that on the on the other side, including finally the good game for Jeff Okuda, which I was very excited to see. We'll talk about all that next on the Pride of Detroit POD Cast. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Third segment here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Wrapping up, we'll be talking defense in a second. But first, it's been a few weeks since we talked some reviews. Jeremy, we've pulled up the reviews. Let's uh, let's try to catch up. I think we are almost caught up on these on these five star reviews. We are looking for more five star reviews. Send us your way on Apple Podcasts. Leave them there. Leave a nice comment. Uh, we are the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. Leave a review for us. Uh, leave a rating, uh, five star rating for us on Spotify as well. Uh, we love everyone who does that. Unfortunately, Spotify does not let you leave uh, written reviews, but Apple Podcasts does, and we will read. If you read, leave us a five star review. We will read them. Yeah, we're not like, going to uh, read every review. If you if you start to throw shade at us, guess what? I'm petty. <laughs> I take pride in this. No pettiness needed for our first reviewer, Darth Tater. So it's great lines pod gives us five stars Says Jeremy, Eric, Ryan, and Chris, and the rest of the guys do a great job keeping Lions fans updated on all Lions all football news. I've been a Lions fan since 1980 when I was seven years old and Billy Sims was a rookie. I've been through the trials. Billy Sims, you have. The, man, the man who wasn't, who could have been, <laughs> but uh, yeah, appreciate you fighting through all of the adversity and sticking around with us as well. Uh, next review comes from Donald 62. Oh, wow. Uh, this is a long one. This might this, be, um, this is a long one and it references a conversation we had like two months ago, but we're going to read was it. Was this anyway. on a scraps? Was this on a scraps? It might have been. I don't even think this got recorded to a scraps, but, uh, uh we were talking about places where the NFL could go. Yes. Could so expand to. His review is titled Ala freaking Bama. It says Jeremy is correct in saying Bama should get cons- consideration for NFL relocation or expansion, but not Birmingham in Huntsville, which is now the largest city in the state and growing like crazy North Alabama regions, full football ba- fans and transplants from everywhere. Thanks to a military base and big business. Tuscaloosa and Auburn are 150 to 200 miles away and nobody got time for that. Pro football would absolutely thrive there. The natural rivalries, especially with the Titans, but also the Falcons and Saints would be epic. The uninformed say Alabamians only care about college football. Not true. Everyone pulls for a pro team. It'll be, it'd be awesome to see that fandom united for one pro team. Call them Alabama United or Huntsville Unity. All right. The first name, the first name sounds like a soccer club. The second name sounds like a WNBA team. I think we'll work on the name a little bit. <laughs> but hey, Huntsville, compete with the uh, with the Huntsville uh, college hockey team. I guess there you go. Uh, I'll make this one our last one since that was a long one. Uh, this is actually a re-review, and I wanted to read it because uh, I actually met this person down in Indianapolis during the uh, during the joint 
uh, practices. Nate's girl is the username. Uh, says kings of content, not Nate's girl is the the name of the review. Five star says no other podcast can compete with the sheer amount of quality content the podcast puts out. Adding Eric Schlitt, my favorite dude, only pushes the content quality even further. I love it. Even us older dudes like myself have learned to tolerate the list cast. LOL. Keep up the great work. P.S. How did you guys read my review and give someone else the credit? This is Kevin Washington, who's Nate's girl. And his review still says Nate's girl on it. But yes, I did meet Kevin down in uh, in Indianapolis or the outskirts of Indianapolis. Great, great guy. Uh, not as old as he seems to suggest here, but appreciate the, the kind words. Appreciate you uh, shouting out me and, and having a nice little conversation down there. That's right. Kevin, we love all reviewers. We're almost caught up. We're almost caught up a little bit, which means there's always time in season to send us five-star reviews. We will read them in season because we'll be uh, very busy. But let's talk about defense because I think we spend a lot of time talking about the offense now. Uh, I think you 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 hinted at it a little bit here, Jeremy. Uh, I can't remember if it was during a break or in a segment. Uh, I apologize. My brain's kind of like fried a little bit. But uh, Derek Barnes, hey, finally showing up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for a position that has had so much concern about it, seeing Derek Barnes and Malcolm Rodriguez go out there with the first team, quote-unquote first team defense for the first one or two drives and do well, like really well, like, wow, this is maybe the most acceptable linebacker play we've seen in, in this town for a few years now. And granted, it's only about like, you know, what, 15, 16 snaps or something like that, but it was just like, Hey, that came out of nowhere. And if those two can be the guys of the future, suddenly I might feel a little bit better about that. And I don't want to jump to conclusions because I, I do think there are a lot of questions about the 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 depth on the Colts offensive line. Um, but they were fantastic in run defense. Um I, Barnes, I think, made a, a decent play in, in the passing game and, and Rodriguez was was right in position to make one as well. So let's build on that. Can we please like, can we just like continue to see performances like that? And maybe I won't feel like linebacker is a, a pit of despair. Yeah. I, any, anytime you get stock up Derek Barnes, I think a lions fans are happy. Yeah. When Derek Barnes does something good, lions fans are happy. I think that's about right. It's uh, nice to see him just getting into the action here. I know like preseason game one was very rough for him as well. Yeah. So nice Listen bounce back. The, uh, that, that was kind of like the theme of this entire preseason game. I feel like it was like the back. game of bounce backs. Yeah. Yeah. Not I, to overreact to one game, not to overreact to one preseason game. True. I, I think, I think, and to take this conversation to the next position, I, I'd, I'd like to talk about, I think the biggest bounce back came from the interior defensive line. And, and it really, it really muddles the, muddies the water for me because that was a position I felt, distraught about going into this week and then they not only dominated in the preseason game they were dominating all week and again i think you have to take strength of opponent in into consideration here but seeing like are you saying the colts might not be a very strong team jeremy the colts you say their depth certainly isn't on the offensive line and demetrius taylor to me is the guy that showed up the biggest and he was just extremely disruptive in the run game and, and got a couple, I think pass rushes as well in there. And he's, he's a tricky one, right? Because <sighs> undrafted rookie guy, guy who's shown flashes here and there, but theoretically you have Levi owns Theoretically you have Jay Sean Cornell who, who started off camp really well, but I don't know, like he had such a good game there that I'm just like, Am I, am I knocking Jay Sean off this roster right now? Because Jay Sean played deep into that game. Like he was a guy that didn't, sh- he was one of the guys that I think had acquired or night and is, is kind of stacked some quiet performances. Whereas I, I don't know, like, do, do, you, do you have a, a strong feeling one way or the other, Ryan? Because to me, that's, that's kind of a new conundrum that I hadn't really considered until this week. And now I'm just like, that was a really good performance by Demetrius Taylor, but how much, how much can I put into just one performance against maybe a really bad Colts offensive line reserve? Well, I think he's stacking them at this point, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he only got 10 snaps in, in, in week one against Atlanta, but like was, was mm-hmm. fine. It's just, he, he really flashed in this one because of his ability to penetrate. And yeah. we talked about this, like right now the Lions are counting on Levi on to be their, you know, 
pass rushing specialist from the three tech. And if you can't count on him, Demetrius Taylor is somebody who I think a lot of people have kind of hyped him up as to be like, you know, to throw this to to the wayback machine, but like, he's kind of like everybody's carry Hyder right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, sure. the, the camp camp, darling defensive lineman who like keeps on just like making plays and like, you know, every time you watch him take a snap, you're like, that guy's beating the guy across from him. And, you know, it, it's hard to keep him off the roster. Cause like you said, Jeremy, like you look along that defensive front, it's kind of barren and yeah. there's a lot of spots to be had because there's a lot of guys who just aren't playing. Yeah. I thought John Kaminsky made a really great play in this game as well. And I think that really helped his chances too. He, he was the reason they didn't, that the Colts didn't win that football game because yeah. they, and that two point conversion, they had a guy that was breaking open in the back of the end zone and Kaminsky's pressure forced a, a, a tricky throw and it forced him to kind of hold on to the ball and scramble a little bit. So I, yeah, I thought he had a really good game and, and, and I think Ryan and I mentioned it last night, like he seems like a really kind of one-to-one match for Josh Pascal on the roster. If Pascal is a guy that, that starts on, on, uh, on, on pop. pop. Yeah. He, he had, he had six stops Gordon PFF. Like yeah. that, that's a lot of defensive stops that, that that guy's making. But yeah, like, like you said, Jeremy, he just fits the archetype of what they want from, from their Josh Pascal from the, from their, you know, big defensive ends. Meanwhile, Austin Bryant cannot stop falling out two sacks in this game. Crane yeah. kick celebration is undefeated. That's he needs, abs- he, he, needs to, <laughs> wow. he needs to stick with that all the time. He didn't do it on his second. Did they end up giving him a half sack, Jeremy? I don't know. I don't think they did. I think he, they, he's technically statistically only has one, but give him give him one. We we here at Pride of Detroit give him two sacks. We four, give him two sacks. <laughs> four pressures, a sack, three hurries. I mean, four defensive stops in the run game. Like, Austin Bryan's performance over the past couple months is just like spun heads. You know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. we all had him written off. We all thought that Austin Bryan was a guy who just wasn't going to, wasn't going to make it in Detroit. And he's clearly going to be a guy who plays a lot. He's, he's yeah. safely on the roster at this point. Yeah. Like, I, I 100% locked. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and most notably the only person who has been able to break the, the, uh, the spell of, the uh of oh god sorry uh movember of our movember interviews way back in the day that seemed to curse everybody he is the only one that is clean at this mm. point mm. very sorry that was really important for me to get in there and stumble over for i'm for knocking on wood i'm knocking on wood you did a great job <laughs> thank you over it. thank you uh can we talk about jeff okuda sure we can't talk about Jeff Okuda unless we talk about Will Harris, too. I mean, this is a package deal here. And yes, I think Will Harris's woes have become Jeff Okuda's gains. I think uh, Will Harris, I, I don't know. Jeremy wrote, uh, Ryan, actually, Ryan wrote this rundown and says, you you have the question. I guess I should let you take reins on this one because I'm curious because, like, he did have a down game. As we said, it's, it's kind of up down a little bit here. I didn't think Will Harris was going to completely run away with CB2, but you you would contend he's definitely lost step in that race. Yeah, I, I think that you just haven't noticed Jeff Okuda making mistakes. You know what I mean? Through two preseason games, I don't think that there's been a lot of bad with Jeff Okuda, but there was a lot of bad Will Harris in preseason game two. And um, it was I mean, it was pretty obvious, like, you know, biting on the the fake bubble screen pump fake that led to the big reception for Indianapolis. There was him getting caught in the muck and and not not getting to an underneath route as quick as he needed to. So just like diagnosing stuff like that, like I understand, like I, I, I think it's something important to keep in mind, like Will Harris at outside cornerback is still very much like a relatively new thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we went into this offseason talking about him as the safety. You know what I mean? Like it's this, you know, he's gonna be safety, but no, like Will Harris is gonna be an outside cornerback. And he's depth at this point, I think. I, I think your two starting cornerbacks day one are gonna be Amani Orowarie and Jeff Okuda. I think you're right. Um, I'm not ready to to crown anything with, with Okuda yet. Like I, I think I think he's just been the least the lesser noticeable one. And that's, you always want to be the lesser noticeable one. If you're an NFL cornerback, he made general. some noticeable good plays though on I mean, Saturday, right? A good one. Like he, yeah. he made a third down tackle. 
open field tackle. And it's a good play, but like that, I think that was the only time he was targeted. Um, and since I don't get a look at the, the all 22 during preseason, I, I can't tell you if his coverage was, was tight all night. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I wish, I wish I did because I, I know he's lined up against Alec Pierce a lot. And that's, that's actually a good matchup for him because we do have to remember our starters were going against their number twos the entire time when, when, you know, the number one corners were out there. So you, you want your corners to succeed in those situations. And if they aren't, that's a concern, which I think complicates Will Harris's situation even further. Yes. I was, yeah, it, it it's the good and bad with Will Harris as always. Yeah. So I think we, we kind of hoped it would go away when he moves from safety to CB, but some work to be done. Um, Kirby Joseph, meanwhile, played nearly every snap in this game or every snap. He I did, think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, playing all over, but likewise, uh, there's some growing pains that that's, that's happening here. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of it's that much of a surprise. I wouldn't even view it as a disappointment at this point. Like there were some good things, you know, again, he's, he's showing up to be a, a decent tackler. He did kind of let a, a runner, I think wrestle a, a first down on a third down conversion at one point. And, and obviously there was the miscommunication there and whether it was his fault or not, safeties are, are relied upon in this scheme to communicate. And so if there was a miscommunication, even if he was right to, to call out a, a different coverage and the other guy didn't do it, it ultimately falls in his lap for not communicating, communicating that properly enough for the other person to do it. And so that's, um, it's a learning experience. And we saw those sort of learning experiences happen all over the place last year with the Lions young players. And so for him to go through, it's a necessary step in his growth. I don't view it as like, Oh God, this guy's not going to turn out. I said, okay, good. Now he knows now, now he's learned. Now he knows if he isn't screaming out, you need to change or, or communicating something before the snap. That's the sort of thing that can happen. And so he learned and, I'm I'm not discouraged by him at all, honestly. I think I think this is great for him. Getting getting all these snaps in the preseason <laughs> with all these safeties being out, it it's good learning experiences, and that's all I view it as. I, I think Aubrey Pleasant, I think Aaron Glenn, I think what they're trying to figure out right now, uh Duker, like I, I think what they're trying to figure out right now with with Kirby Joseph is where could he be a plus for the Lions defense in twenty twenty two. Right. And like, you know, Chris mentioned, played him all over. I mean, lined up 19 times in the slot, lined up as a free safety 23 times, like just kind of like moving him around and seeing like, where's this guy going to fit? And we saw that last year with the cornerbacks. You know what I mean? Like we saw that with the Fatu Melifanu being a corner and now all of a sudden he's a safety and yeah. Will Harris, you know, making the transition that we yep. just talked about. So like, I think they're just trying to figure out where he best fits right now. And you know, I guess the the concern, though, right, is what happens to the safety depth after the starters, after Deshaun right. Elliott, after Tracy Walker. It's it's a you know, it's it's a question that I think remains unanswered. But I, I, I know Jeremy wants to talk about the nickel corner position, too, because I think that's another fascinating development in yeah. uh, in Lions preseason game, too. And as we move forward, because who's the starter? Yeah, I think we had long presumed that AJ Parker had that job on lockdown and he, you know, during training camp, he wasn't giving up many first team reps. It, it was largely him, but development in game two, Mike Hughes is there first team and then comes AJ Parker in the second half. And then unfortunately for Chase Lucas, um, I think the plan was to to play him from late third quarter on, but then the Lions put on a nine and a half minute driver, however long it, it might've been even longer than that. I don't remember how long it was, but basically ate up the entire fourth quarter and Chase Lucas is playing time. So only gets 16 snaps or so, but, but yeah, I like, here's the thing. And Eric and I were talking about it a long time, trying to build this 53 man roster. I don't think it makes sense to carry three nickels and granted Mike Hughes has some outside versatility, but I don't think he's good at, I think the lines know that he's best at nickel. So, do you, I, I think I think Mike Hughes is a tricky guy right now because if he wins the spot and I don't know if playing him first was like, let's see him against better competition or let's reward him for good play or whatever it was. But if he doesn't win that starting spot, would you rather use that spot on Mike Hughes, a guy who has some experience and 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 can and proves he can do it? 
or a developmental guy like Chase Lucas, who has leadership qualities, has special teams abilities, and 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 maybe has a, a really high upside. And the thing that is kind of tipping the scales for me is I look back to last year because they had a similar situation where they had a really young guy and they had a veteran who could do it in Nikhil Roby Coleman. AJ Parker made the team and was a starter. Nikhil Roby Coleman was cut and put on the practice squad. That to me is, is, is telling about what this team values. They value their young guys with more potential than they do these veterans that that can stick around and, and fill in as necessary. And, and with the, the practice squad squad rules being what they are, you can put veterans on there. Now you don't have to just put your young players on there. And, and I think the lines are a team that leans into that. It's like, listen, I know it's not what these veteran guys want. And maybe, maybe Mike Hughes gets picked up elsewhere and, and finds a home, but I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, to me, I'm still scratching my head over this one. I don't know who's winning the job. I don't know who's going to come in game three and, and start. I don't know if everyone's going to get a chance to start or if they're going to bench one. I it's, it's, it's really one of the more fascinating situations going into this final th- third preseason game, and I don't know where yeah. things stand. The, the the last thing I want to say about that nickel corner position job is like Chase Lucas is <laughs> he's just as old as Mike Hughes, <laughs> like he's older than AJ yeah. Parker, like yeah. you know what I mean. So I I don't know. I, interesting. All right, we'll wrap up on this as we head towards preseason game three. What do you expect? What do you want to see? out of the Steelers. Uh, and again, this comes with the caveat that we still don't know how teams are going to handle preseason game three. If it's going to be dress rehearsal, which I am doubtful it's going to be dress rehearsal at this point. I think once again, the starters are probably going to sit. This feels like it's going to be another cut uh, cuts game, but do you want to see the starters play at all? What, what exactly are you looking to take out of preseason game three at all? I, I think, Real quick, I I just think the only starters that I want to see on the field are probably guys who are fringe starters on defense. So I think it follows the Okuda, same template. Harris. Yeah, yeah, I think it follows the same template as game two. Um, you know, have some of the guys who, you know, you want to see whether or not they can put some more tape together that shows that they should be starters on defense. Um, I don't need to see any of the starting offensive line. I I don't need to see Jared Goff. I don't need to see DJ Shark. I don't need to see Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift. I don't need to see any of the offensive skill position players. I think that there's enough to get figured out with the wide receivers and the running backs that are, you know, at the bottom of the depth chart. So I really think that it should just be copy paste in terms of template from game two to game three. I, I think I'm with you there. The, I, I I do think there are going to be people that raise a concern and, and understandably so like, okay, but that means you're not like these, these guys, your starters are basically going a month without any competitive play. That's, I mean, people, it's a fair freak, point, fair people, counterpoint. People, people freak out about a bye week during the playoffs and be like, Oh, they're going to be rusty when they come out. That I mean, you're, you're leaving a full month between preseason game one and regular season. But I think everyone's operating under that. Like everyone's going to have that same kind of rust too. Like sure. it's not the Lions are going to be alone in their strategy unless someone else is running a completely different strategy. Most other teams, 90% of the teams out there are also going to be having the same problem. And I think everyone has just decided with this very shortened preseason that they're just going to have to punt and just accept that September is going to be spent shaking rust off and getting off to slow starts in the NFL. The, the, the last thing I'll say, and I'll shut up, is it's Dan Campbell and Hard Knocks talking about how it's this, right? It's the steady growth over the duration of the season rather mm-hmm. than, you know, being balls to the wall in week one against Philadelphia. So, I don't and, know. I mean, it's also worth pointing out, like, how much does one drive really knock the rust off? Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're not expecting these guys to play, like, even a half Right. Or whatever. It's not like these guys aren't going to put on pads and go live in between now. And, you know, there might be some practice. And they were playing, they were playing in joint practices too this week. So like, and that's, that's about as, that's about as competitive as any kind of preseason. Sometimes it's just, it just, again, like you control the whistle and enjoy practices. Yep. So, but yeah, we're just expecting this to be kind of a roster thing. And then we'll, uh, oh, it's going to be interesting to see the cut downs. I can tell you one last thing that I want to see. What's that? Mason Rudolph on the Steelers sideline. <laughs> yes. And staying there. <laughs> you don't want to see any of that? That's all I want to see. 
All right. With that, we wrap up. We will be back for Talking Knocks later this week. Uh, we might have a first bite. We're going to be pretty busy through the entire week. And then we'll, we'll we got to figure out our schedule for next week because that game is going to be Sunday night, which is usually when we record. We're going to have cut downs coming on Tuesday, which is also when we're supposed to do Talking Knocks. So, uh, busy question, couple days ahead. Guess busy what? week Just, ahead. Just be subscribed to the podcast feeds, be subscribed or follow us on Twitch, and you will get to know when we go live, when you get those podcasts straight in your hot little pockets. And that's all you really need to know. Consume. We're almost there. We're almost there. Real football right around the corner. We'll do our big pre uh, season preview show at some point. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do some college football talk. No. Just to eyeball at least like I'm too busy. I know you're too busy, <laughs> but I, I mostly want to just because I want to keep an eyeball on this draft, considering this will be the last year the Lions will have two first round picks. And maybe big decisions. Sure. Depending on depending on what happens at several key positions on the roster. But until then, we'll see you guys back here for talking knocks. And we will see you star side. <laughs> <laughs>